Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world to go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, Now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you not believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is in me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Um, we've been going through John since, since March. Um, we've discussed the fact, and Jesus is now bringing this all full together. The the primary purpose for John writing this is to present Jesus as the Son of God who came into the world to become the Lamb of God in order to take away the sins of the world, right? But secondary purpose, I believe, and we're going to see this as we get into John 17, and we see Jesus' high priestly prayer for the disciples, and that is that there's unity um, in in the church with who Jesus Christ is. I'm hoping this week, maybe, I might put out some links for you to if whoever wants to, not that you want to, I don't want to spend time on this in messages, um, on Gnosticism, okay? So um, I don't want you to just go out researching everything, um, but God Questions has got a couple good things on, on Gnosticism. Bible history had a good place. But anyways, I'm going I'm to put some together, let the elders read it, make sure that we're of one page, and then I'll send out an email on it, okay? Because, and if you want to read it, you can read it. Just a background. In other words, I don't want you to go to Gnostic sites and being um, inundated with Gnosticism, okay? But just to let you know, I met with a, a Gnostic just this week, or a guy who's been influenced by Gnosticism. It's live and well. It's here in, 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 in our world today, okay? And, um, and John, if, if I've mentioned this as I go along, John is dealing with this, okay? This is, this is Plato and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's his era, you know? And it's already infiltrating the church, it's just an amazing thing to me. As I think about, you know, while Paul and Peter and John are on the earth and they're doing this, they can continually, they're continually addressing false teachers. So it's not new to us today. False teachers have been here 
from the very beginning, okay? And so there's more. And so we need to, we need to know and understand the word of God, okay? So Jesus is, is teaching his disciples, and as we've seen now, he's in his final stage of his, of his time on earth, okay? And he's, um, he's had his public ministry. He's taken his guys aside now. He's given them some private encouragement, private instruction. And now, literally, we're coming to the end of that instruction as we come to these final 17, 18 verses of chapter 16, okay? But I don't want you to forget that 13 to 16 are all one thing together, okay? So they spent 13 and 14 in the upper room. Then they transitioned, and they're walking to the garden, Okay, and so 15, 16, you know, they're walking and he's talking to them as they go. And now they're getting ready. To, he's getting ready to pray for them. Okay, and this is all happening before the garden. So even John 17, when we get to that high priestly prayer, that's not what he's praying while he's on his knees in the garden. Okay, this is he's going to be praying for them in, in their presence. Okay, we'll talk about that next week, Lord willing. Okay, but all this is going on. He's getting ready now. He's in his last 24 hours, okay? And he's again sharing with them the most important things for them to hear. So we have gone through then, through this time, Jesus' promises to them, first of all, okay? He promised again to, and I'll try to make it much shorter this time, but he promises them a monet in heaven, a dwelling place in heaven that he's going to go prepare for them. He also then promises them that they would have answered prayer, this power, okay, that they would be able to do things that were even greater than the he accomplished, okay, because he's going to go to the Father. And so they can ask, and he'll give them because he's with the Father. But the, the biggest thing in there is his presence, that um, the Holy Spirit was going to come, and we're singing about that, right? That's our memory verse, right, how the Holy Spirit comes and he, and he dwells within us. But Jesus then says, but I and the Father are going to set up for those who love me and keep my commandments, I and the Father will set up our Monet in them. So if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you love him, and you're keeping his commandments, Jesus made the promise. The Godhead is going to come and set up their residence in you. That's pretty mind-boggling. That, that should be something that every day when you think about that, it should overwhelm you with who you are. Not who you are, but you get it? Who you are in Christ. And the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. It's not just to squander time. God came and he's setting up his throne in you. You are the temple of God. Amazing thing. And then he promises his peace, right? Not as the world does I give, do I give unto you, but he, the world wants to give a peace where you avoid all the, 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 the struggles he says, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of the, the struggles, okay? And so then we went into this abiding in the word and abiding in his love that we are supposed to be connected to the vine. And then last week, we went into this whole part where Jesus then begins to talk about, well, the last two weeks, because it wound up being split into two weeks, right? That talking about the persecution that was going to be coming upon them and that they would be persecuted because of an affiliation that they had with him, right? In that when it came there would be what I refer to as this warped thinking of, of the religious community and of the world, specifically the religious community. I mean, the world you get, okay? But it's going to be even the religious community who's going to wind up persecuting them, and I think applicationally even to us in the final days, okay? But they're going to be thinking that they're doing God a, a favor, a service, that they're serving God because they're, 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 we're wrong, because we're, we're narrow-minded, bigoted, and all this kind of stuff, Right? But Jesus very clearly tells us in the midst of all that, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one, how many? No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. There's not all the other ways. You can't go through Brahma. You can't go through any of the Hindu gods, the Vishtis and all that. You can't go through Allah. It doesn't happen that way. You're not going to go through Confucius. You're not going through Buddha. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus was pretty narrow-minded. Think about that, okay? So because of that, you are guilty by association, okay? In fact, as I share, my, my uncle and uh, aunt were in town, um, and we had a great time of fellowship with him yesterday. I got to share with him a little bit from John 8 as far as Jesus even declaring, you know, unless you believe I am, I am, you will die in your sins, okay? And it's a big deal. I mean, you know, what do you got to know? Jesus made it very clear that he's the what? The line in the sand. You got to believe that he's God or... It ain't happening. 
Okay, so big deal. But then Jesus again gives them the the, the encouragement that about the, the Holy Spirit, the Parakletos, the Comforter, who is to come, who is going to dwell with them. And when He comes, not only is He going to be with you, that's the care of the saints. But remember the love for the world. Again, okay, again, at least from Bob's perspective, that's what the word elenkos means from the conviction. That word is to rebuke, and, and the Yahweh rebukes those who he loves. He loves the world, okay? And so he wants to see every single individual on the face of the planet to be saved. And he wants them to be in his presence. You know, God so loved the what? The world that he gave his only begotten son. First John chapter 2 is very clear that Jesus isn't the propitiation for my sins only, but he's also for the sins of the whole world, right? God, desi- God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, okay? So I think this passage, what he's saying here, is not that he's judging them. That's part of That's the third part of it. But that's just part of the process. But he wants to convict them of sin in order for them to be able to come to him. And he's going to convict them of what? Righteousness. Because they have their own self-righteousness, okay? And so, I mean, you've got to know that you've got a problem in order to come. And then ultimately there's going to be conviction of what? The judgment to come. Okay? People have got to know that one day there's going to be a judgment. You know, a lot of people say, I don't like that hellfire and brimstone stuff. We met, Steve and I met a guy on Wednesday night who said that. It was kind of fun. I was like, well, I'm glad you didn't come to church the last two weeks. And, um, but, but the reality is that people don't like hearing about hellfire and brimstone because they want to just think they can do whatever they want to do and go to heaven. It doesn't play out that way. As I told my grandma... Um, many years ago, and again, you know that she got saved two weeks before she died, if she was dead enough. But she used to call God every name in a book and all this kind of stuff. And I just say, share, share with her. Grandma, from your perspective, that may seem right. I said, but all I can do is tell you that when you get to, know, get to know God, he's not what you think he is. But there's a second side to that, Grandma. And that regardless of all that, even if he's not the loving, grace, grace God, giver of grace that, that I know him to be, it still doesn't matter. Because he's still what? God. And in the end, regardless of what he's like, you're going to stand before him. And ultimately, you've got to play by his rules. And I don't mean to make it sound like, you know, God says, you know, a big tyrant. But in the end, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how you see him. In the end, he's God. And you're a created being. And you've got to submit to that fact. You've got to humble yourself, submit to that fact, and say, I'm a created being. He's the creator. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And I need to submit to his sovereignty. And once you do that, you know what? You find a different God, don't you? He's not the tyrannous, tyrannical God that you thought he was who's limiting all your, your, your pleasures. He's a loving Heavenly Father who cares so much about you. Anyways, so, um, so yeah. So then the care of the saints. He'll testify of Christ. He'll guide us into all truth. That leads us now into this final summary that Jesus is going to do. He's really bringing it all back together again. And he's going to summarize to them um, all the things we've just talked about over the last month and a half, okay? And so um, in this concept of who he is, where he came from, the persecution, what's awaiting for them after he leaves, okay? But he starts off with this statement here, okay? In John 16, beginning of verse 16, he says to them, he says, a little while and you will not, what? See me. He doesn't say a little while I'm going to die and I'm going to be dead and I'm going to be gone. A little while you're not going to what? See me. Words are important. A little while, you're not going to see me. And again, a little while, you'll what? You'll see me, okay? Because I go to the Father, okay? Then some of his disciples said, where? Among themselves. Important detail that we'll come back to, okay? Some of the disciples said among themselves then, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. In a little while, you will, again, you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this thing? He says, a little while. We do not know what he's saying. They were what? confused okay they've got they they're they're still think about this you've been walking with god for two and a half three years you've been seeing all this miraculous stuff going on right and 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 i don't know i mean i think jesus saying some pretty profound stuff that i would have probably been bewildered about many times and now we come into this point where jesus says to them a seemingly riddle doesn't it I mean, think about it. Doesn't it seem almost like a riddle? A little while, and you're not going to see me anymore. But then in a little while from now, you will see me again. Um, 
are you like going back to Nazareth for a trip and we can't come? I mean, you know, and, and, and they're just trying to, how is this, what, what's he talking about? Because they still haven't figured this thing out. He's told them numerous times he's going into Jerusalem and what's going to happen to Jerusalem? He's going to die. And then he's going to raise from the dead. But they're not getting it. They're not remembering this. It's just, it, it's, it's selective memory, whatever you want to call it. They're not getting it. And so now they hear this and they got this, this confusion thing going on. And so I want to just challenge you up front. It's easy to look at these guys and say, what was their problem? But you know what? They didn't have this. You know, and you can't even say, I'm going to go try to go to the guesstimate here to the New Testament. That's close enough. Yeah, I got it right there. Okay. They honestly didn't have this. You say, wait a second. They had the Old Testament. But I want you to think about this. Was the Gutenberg Press created yet? No. Where was this? Pieces of it were in the synagogues. Not every synagogue had every scroll. They might have certain scrolls. There were scrolls that were more important than other scrolls, okay? But clearly at the temple, they would have the whole thing, okay? And some synagogues might have been large enough or whatever to have them all and, and wealthy enough to have them all. But... These guys didn't have it. They were fishermen. Remember? I mean, think about when, they, when John and uh, Peter stood in front of the Sanhedrin, right? They looked at them and they said, what? They're just fishermen. These are unlearned guys. All we can do is tell that he's, they've been with Jesus, okay? So these guys weren't necessarily the, the, the scholars, right? And so they didn't have all this information that we have. So the next time you want to kind of bewildered about these guys ask yourself how much confusion do you have sometimes how hard it for it is for you to accept who jesus really is and to trust him on a daily basis and when you got all this stuff you can read it and you know it and you got the holy spirit living in you these guys don't have the holy spirit living in them yet that doesn't happen in john 20 so here we are in john 16 holy spirit he says he's going to come but he hasn't come so they don't have the holy spirit leading him in all truth right and so they're they're kind of like oh what does he mean by all this so jesus consoles them okay he brings them consolation so the consolation from the messiah first of all i put this as the consolation as a result of his omniscience okay because remember those guys were talking where to themselves this is an important little point going on here okay now jesus knew what they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while you'll see me and a little while you you won't see me. And then he goes on talking about some more stuff that we're going to talk about, okay? But when he's done talking about this stuff that he's going to talk about, the disciples come back now and they say, they make this important comment down here in verse 29 and verse 30, right? His disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly. It's the exact same stuff he's been telling them. Okay? But now you're speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure what? How many things? All things. Now we are sure that you know all things. And have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. By what? By this we know you came from God. By what? By the... Say again? His, um, well, yeah, but they're not saying omniscience in a sense. They're saying we know that you know all things. What happened that they believed that he knew all things and that he came from God? He knew their conversation. He knew what they were talking about. Do you remember way back in the beginning, in, in chapter 1, a guy named Nathaniel? Right? Who's Nathaniel? He was a friend, right? He was just a friend. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus tells him what? I saw you when you were under the, the fig tree. What? How does Nathaniel respond? You are the Son of God. Really? You believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see angels ascending and setting upon the Son of God. Isn't it amazing sometimes? Think about everything that Jesus did in front of these guys. I mean, he healed a dead guy. I mean, I was going to go through the litany of everything he did. We could put that screen back up. Remember of all these different miracles and, and stuff that happens in John. But just take Lazarus. I mean, dead, four days. And you're still wondering? 
I mean, this is a no-brainer for me. I think Lazarus would have sealed it for me, right? I mean, it's like, I'm not quite sure. Oh, this is, this is pretty. But because he knew what you were talking about when he wasn't around, this is the moment when you say what? Aha. It's your aha moment. Everybody has an aha moment. Well, not everybody. Sadly, not everybody. Okay? But when you come to Christ, you got an aha moment. You know? When you say to yourself, oh, oh. He really is God. This is their aha moment. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and tell you why it was, when it was, other than God is sovereign, right? And that God's working in their hearts just as he's working in your heart. Okay? And when your aha moment comes, it's a matter of God working in you and you responding. And how that plays out, I don't know. Does it make sense? Okay? But, But God's working. God desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, okay? So, um, so as we go knocking on doors and we talk to people, I don't know when their aha moment's going to be. All I know is I get to sow seeds. And maybe some of the seeds that I get to sow might bring them to an aha moment. Oh. You really, by this I know. I don't know what their by this I know is going to be. By this I know. So I want to ask you before we move on. Do you know? Do you believe? Because everything else is meaningless at this point. Because if you don't know and you don't believe, all this other stuff is meaningless. By this we know, by this we believe. So he addressed their present situation, their confusion, okay, showing them their omniscience. But in the context then where we're going to go to, he didn't just stop there talking about their present situation. He then talks about their future situation, where he again goes to remind them and tell them about what is waiting for them on the other side, Okay. First of all, then, he tells them about this promise of joy. Now, I, I liked, I'm putting it in a positive, the promise of joy, right? Because what really happens? What does he say? Beginning in verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will what? Weep and lament. So I could have said here the promise of their weeping and lamenting. Because <laughs> that would be true, right? Because think about it. The last week and a half, we've had beautiful days. Just gorgeous days. But that was right on the heels of what? A lot of rainy days. And do you remember that first beautiful day after all the rainy days? It wasn't gorgeous. Because you had all those gray, gloomy days, and you say to yourself, wow, this is really beautiful. You know, now you're starting to get used to these beautiful days, and you're, saying, and you're still saying, oh, it's a beautiful day. But it's not like it was eight days ago when you're like, whew, I just hope these Oregon days, sorry. Anyways, we go past this. <laughs> and um, so... But you get it. I mean, that's how it plays out. So anyways, he tells them right off the bat. He says, this is the promise. You're going you're gonna to weep and you're going to lament. But at the same time, you're weeping and lamenting. What's the world going to be doing? It's going to be rejoicing. Why do you think that's going to be? What is he telling them? What's, what's, what's he honestly? I mean, you got to read between the lines here. What's he talking about? Say again. His crucifixion, his death. I'm going to die. He's not saying it that way. He's already told him this. We're going to go to Jerusalem. The Son of Man's going to be killed. You know, da 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 da. You know, but now he's saying, "Look, the time's coming. You're going to be weeping and you're going to be lamenting. It's it's going to come real fast, right? And you're going to be weeping and lamenting because I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be gone, at least from your what perspective. And the world, on the other hand, they're going to be what? They're going to be rejoicing. Now, I know it may not be the exact same thing, but since I just finished reading the book of Revelation and moved into Genesis, I'm thinking of the two witnesses. You know, two witnesses are on the earth for three years, like Jesus being, right? And, and they're doing anything they want to do. They've got the power of Christ, if you would. They've got the power of God to do whatever they want to do. And at the end of three and a half years, God allows the people on the earth to kill the witnesses. And they're not going to throw them in a tomb. They're actually going to throw them where? On the streets, Right? And so now you understand when you read that and all the world's going to look upon them, well, they're probably going to have webcams, right? And everybody, you know, instead of watching um, baby eagles in a nest, they're going to be watching dead prophets on the streets of Jerusalem, right? And at the end of three and a half days, what's going to happen? God's going to raise them up for every eye to see because... In my mind, again, I can't prove this at this moment, but there's no doubt in my mind. There's going to be webcams, and there's probably going to be people there with their cell phones taking selfies and stuff like that. Could you imagine taking a selfie just at the moment the eyes pop open? Anyways, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, whoa! You know, I mean, everybody else around you. Anyways, but think about it. That's what's going to. That was going on in Jesus's day. The world's going to be excited because they're going to be rejoicing because this guy who was a thorn in the flesh is gone. We got rid of him, and you guys are going to be mourning just as it happened. Think about it. They're in the upper room, not knowing what's going on, right? Peter, what? We'll get there, but he, what does he do? He disowns them, right? And, and, and Jesus is going to talk about this, how they're all going to desert him, right? So all this is going on. He says, but then he turns around, he says, and you will be sorrowful. Lupeo, that's the, we saw a, lot, saw a lot of these words in 2 Corinthians when we were in 2 Corinthians, okay? But your sorrow will be turned to joy. This is so fun. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow, Lupe, because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish, the thlipsis. That's again, we saw that in 2 Corinthians 1 and through when we were talking about that as well. And we'll talk about it again. Remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again in your heart will rejoice in your joy no one shall take from you you know we got seven kids six births okay twins so it gets you know minimizes right so from my end anyways and so that was a great deal too because they, the doctor didn't know the hospital didn't know so i, I paid up ahead and i all i had to do was pay a special price for the one a prepaid price and i got two i mean what a deal the doctor kept apologizing and said this is better than a blue light special at kmart and, you know uh, i said if you'd have known this had been ten to fourteen thousand dollars, now it was only twelve hundred bucks. Good deal. Let's do it again. Anyways, so no. Anyways, but you women who've gone through this process, you understand this, right? And guys, if you've ever been in there while your wife is giving birth, at least you can visualize this and see how this plays out. When you're going through the oohs and the oh and, the, uh, and all of a sudden it changes to what? Ah! You know? And it's like, ah, and if you've ever been in those wards and stuff like that, I mean, there are people who, women, nothing personal, ladies. I don't ever really had a, heard a guy do this. Anyways, and so, because he's never given birth. Anyways, but some of them are just cussing, and some of them are screaming, and some of whatever. But God says that if you're walking with him, that he'll spear you, even in what? Childbirth. That doesn't mean that you won't have any pain, but he'll see you, he'll save you, spear you through it all. Okay? And so... So whatever that, however you channeled the pain, if you would, at that moment, right? And so hopefully you did it in Christ and you were able to control that and the husband is there praying for you and you're, and you're working together through it. But pain, pain, pain is there. It's there. But isn't it amazing five minutes after you gave birth and they've, they've, they cleaned the baby up? I mean, in the umbilical cord, I remember this with Marcia, with some of them. The umbilical cord's not even cut yet. They bring the baby up, and all of a sudden, oh, <laughs> talking about ring, ring, you know? I mean, five minutes ago, you were going to deck me, you know, you know, <laughs> you know? But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. There's going to be this point where it's, your heart, your gut is going to be like it's being ripped out. But instantly, you are going to have such rejoicing that the world isn't going to be able to quench. That's where we ought to be living. Because we have hindsight. Hindsight is 2020. We're not going through the process that he died. Why do we live like that? Why do we live with all this anxiety and everything else? Like we're not sure whether Jesus is coming back. He did come back. And I got the Holy Spirit living in me. Disciples had to go through that without the Holy Spirit living in them. It doesn't come to chapter 20. Jesus is raised before that. Thinking about going through the troubles that you're going through without the Holy Spirit living inside you. Jesus said, look, you're going you're gonna to have all this mourning. You're going to have all this sorrow. You're going to have all this weeping. But I promise you, joy's coming. And when it comes, it's yours. It's yours. Okay? So the promise of joy. But then the promise he goes, slides right into... With that, the promise again of answered prayer. This is a big deal. Think about it. how many times he has stated this um, through this whole couple chapters. He wants them to understand that, look, until this moment, you haven't prayed in my name. 
But you're getting a chance to do that now. And, and this is going to happen, not just because you know me and because I love you, but because my Father loves you. And so he says, in that day, you will ask, erotao. And so the idea of erotao, if you've you got one of these sheets, I have the, the first time it's used, I have the, the, the explanation of it. Erotao means to entreat with a sense of inquiry. Okay, like you're, you're looking for something, you're asking, like it's an investigation kind of thing. Okay, so you're asking questions like you're, 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 you're getting something. But he says to him, in that day you will ask me nothing. In other words, you're not going to be seeking it from me. Right? Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask, now this is the petition, I tell oh, ask or beg, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked, I tell oh, Nothing in my name. Ask, I tell you, oh, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So now he's blending us together, right? You're going to have joy. It's going to be yours to keep. But I'm going to make sure that your joy is what? Full. David. What word is that? Full. Play Roma. Good. I'm picking on you, but yeah. But it's huge. I mean, your joy is going to be what? To the point of overflowing. This is exciting. Why? Because you don't have to do this on your own. When the trials, when the tribulations, when those suffering times come, guess what you can do? Dad, help me out. Dad, I need some wisdom. Abba, Father, give me discernment. Remove from me. Help me to make it through. Put your words in there. Again, Paul tells us to the Corinthians, right? Again, these guys didn't have this, but we that um, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Isn't it awful? I can have the reference. I usually don't know references, but I know verses. No troublesome situation. I mean, it's no temptation, but the word is periosmos. And a periosmos is a troublesome situation. It depends on how you go through the periosmos to determine whether it's a temptation or whether it's a trial. James chapter 1, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into diverse kinds of periosmoi, trials. Okay? But the same word, blessed is he who endureth temptation, verse 12, it's the exact same word, periosmos. It's so it doesn't matter. It's a troublesome situation, okay? And so there's no troublesome situation that's overtaken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful in that he will not allow you to be periosmosed, troubled beyond what you're able to what? Bear. But will with the periosmos, the troublesome situation, also make a way to what? Escape. He's given you the ability to call on him any place you are. It's not the genie in a bottle, remember? We talked about that. It's not the, you know, the, the genie in a lamp, right? And he has to do whatever I want him to do. Right? But he loves me. He loves you. And he's given you the permission as his child. When you got saved, you became, you were adopted. You're his child. And you have the privilege that others don't have. You can go into the throne room and talk to dad anytime you want. You're not waiting to see whether the golden scepter is extended to you. Because you're his kid. Others may got to wait. The ambassador to so-and-so was standing there talking to him, and you come running in. He says, hold on a second. What you got, baby? Isn't that kind of cool? And he's doing it to a million people around the earth at the same time. That's mind-boggling to me. And he doesn't just say, what you got, baby? Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. And he, but he cares. Wow. Look, I did that for a reason. I knew that that big dog was going to scare you. But I, it's for this purpose. That you came around to me. You understand that I can protect you. He let that in my life. Whatever that big dog is. Get it? Okay? For a reason. He could have stopped the big dog. Yeah, I could have stopped that big dog. I got guards out there. They could have, I mean, they, you, you know, I mean, I, I could have protected her from that. But I didn't because I left it for a reason. So in the midst of all this is going on, you can ask. Ask what you will. And he's going to what? He's going to give it to you, right? So these things I've spoken, verse 25, to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly, in that day, you will ask in my name, 
And I do not say to you that I shall pray, again, inquiringly, if you would, to the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth, erkomai, we'll talk about that in just one second, from God. Okay? So, what do you got to believe? That Jesus emanated, if you would, we're going to use that word, I don't like the word, it's been misused different times, but that he came from the Father, okay? And that you love him, and that you're seeking to keep his commandments, okay? So that's, that's the whole point here, right? But he says that in that day you will no longer ask in my name. So what does it mean to ask in his name? This is a review from a couple weeks ago. Ask according to his will. It's not saying, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen, or hocus pocus, or abracadabra, and, and you get whatever you want because you said, in Jesus' name. But people ask, act that way. That if they can say whatever they want, and they say, in Jesus' name, therefore God's got to do it. No, according to his will. Okay? So, he addresses their future situation. But as a result of his incarnation, again, I don't want to make more of this than, than there, okay? But I've really been meditating. I, I share this a lot. I, I meditate on the, on the Godhead and on, on triunity and, 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 and seeking God. And it's so cool for me every time God gives me just another little glimpse Okay, and I'm not willing to share with you some of my ruminations um, because I, I just feel like sometimes you can get, go into areas that you don't need to be. Okay, but look what Jesus says. Okay, again, words are important. Okay, I came forth ek irkomai. Um, irkomai is the word to um, come. It can mean to go as well. But one thing I've learned this week is this is kind of fun. I mean, I love Greek, right? And so. Maybe there was an epiphany that I've had before, but I had it again this week. That peruomai is primarily the word used for go. Irkomai is primarily the word used for come. They both mean to come or go. And then there's another Greek word, bino, which is another synonym, which means come or go. Okay? And so, shing, okay? But, but so I, I spent a lot of time this week looking at the irkomais, the peruomais, and the binos, because I didn't want to make more of this than, than it is. Okay? But Jesus said, I exited. I exited. I came from. That's ek irkomai. I came out of. You, you, you exit the building. Okay? I was in the building. And I ek ekromide. It's pretty cool. Just think about that. I came out of the Father. However you can picture that one. Okay? And have come the perfect... So the other one was an aorist. Why is that important? Because an aorist is punctiliar. It's a point in time. It wasn't imperfect that there was a process. There was no process of Jesus coming out of the Father. It was a boom. It happened. I got some of my thoughts on that one. Okay? It goes back to Genesis. But anyways, but there was a point, boom, that it happens. Right? But then it has a continuing then effect because I then came into, have come into the world. And once I entered into the world, it's changed everything forever. I think Jesus came forth from the Father before he became the baby. Okay, we'll just leave it there. In my brain, that part happened before he actually was incarnate. Okay? But then, the second part is, then he came into the world. Okay, so that's a, kind of a second phase of that. Okay, and when minute I came, entered the world, the world has not been the same ever since. Okay, I don't think so. For example, so for me, you say, what are you talking about? Genesis eighteen, when Avraham, when Avram sees the three, and he sees, and he talks to Yahweh. I think it's Jesus. I think that's a, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ on the earth. Okay, so I think that he's already there. So we can debate that, talk about that or whatever, but it's really cool stuff when you start meditating upon how God has done all this stuff. It's beyond our comprehension. I'm not saying I get it, that I got it. I'm just telling you that there's more thoughts going on in my brain and how all this plays out, okay? And so, but then he turns around and he says, so, so, but now I'm going to leave. Afiyami is a neat word. Afiyami is also the word used to forgive your sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's Afiyami. Same word, same exact word, okay? And so his, his disciples, were told in just a little bit, are going to desert him. Guess what word it is? Ephemi. Ooh. I'm going to Ephemi the world. I wonder if there's like a, a two-edged sword thing going on there. Because 
he has to leave in order to what? Forgive. <laughs> you get it? I mean, all this plays out. So anyways, just as he sends our sins away, a Fiamme idea, he's going to leave the world so he can do all this. Okay? So, so I leave the world, but now I'm going to what? Go to the Father. But it's not a pros, pros, um, prosperuomai. You know, it's not an in peruomai. In other words, he's not entering into the Father. The other was ek irkomai. He came out of the Father. But he's not going to enter the Father. He's just going to go to the Father. Do you, do, do you, you get, again, words are important, but do you understand there's words that can be used and they're not being used? He's not entering into the Godhead again. Where is Jesus right now? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. And isn't it fun in the book of Revelation, when Revelation chapter 4 goes into Revelation 5, of course, right? And so we see the throne room of God in chapter, chapter 4, and, and you got the, the 24, the, you know, the 12 elders, and the 24 elders, and you got the four living creatures, and they're around the sea of glass, and the rainbows wrapped around the throne, and all this worship's going on. In the very beginning of chapter 5, what do we see? We see a lamb. Yes, but where does he come from? Where? From the throne, from the midst of the throne. He comes out of the throne. Makes you wonder how many people are sitting on that throne. I think there's only one. And he ekerikomais. And when he ekerikomais, he stays to the side at this point. Do you get it? And that throne throughout the rest of the Revelation is called the throne of God and of the Lamb. How cold is that? Anyways, I can go into the word Kai and talk about how Kai can mean even and stuff like that. I've got to stop, okay? But this is, there's a, so much more here is what I'm trying to tell you than probably that I'm just scratching the surface. I'm, I'm still just ruminating on this thing. I mean, I'm just pondering it. It's, just, it's overwhelming to me just to, to think about um, the Godhead and, and what, what God did for me. I, I just, anyways, you got your things that you ponder on. This is mine, man. This uh, t- totally overwhelms me. So, but... This is supposed to comfort you. Does it make sense? That's why he's sharing it. This, your joy, your, this is, you're going to have all this joy because this is how it plays out. This is what I've done for you. And then you get this final part of this exhortation. Um, and that is their desertion. You guys are going to leave me. And there's a part where that's comforting. Not right now. They're not getting it. But later on when it happens, what? They can think back on it and know that what? He told them about it ahead of time. It didn't take God by surprise. It didn't take Jesus by surprise. Take comfort in it. He understood. He knew this was going to happen. It was fulfilling prophecy. I mean, don't look at it as, oh, we did that just so we could fulfill prophecy. No, you did it because you were afraid. But that's okay. I knew it was going to play out, right? So he says, Jesus said, do you know? Do you now believe me? Indeed, the hour is coming and has now come, Erko my perfect, that you will be scattered each to his own, and I will, and will leave Aphia me, me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is what? With me. Just as he is with you when you go through it, um, um, he's with me. And so finally then, regarding their, their tribulation, their potential for peace. Okay, And I don't have time to go to Philippians 4, but you know that one. Be anxious for nothing, right? But there, what I want to point out is that there's, what he says to them is as a result. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, what? What's the next words? You what? You may have peace. These things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. We wanted to say these things I have spoken so that you will have peace. But he didn't say that. It's a subjunctive. It's in the subjunctive. Subjunctive is the, the mood of unreality. Okay? It's, it, it's a possibility. It's the potentiality. Okay? And so I'm telling you these things in order that you what? That you can have it. You may have it. But you need to what? In the world, you're going to have philipsis, pressure situations, but you need to be of good cheer. Tharseo literally is good courage. I have overcome the world. I'm telling you all these things I'm telling you, not me, Jesus, right? In order that when these pressure situations come upon you, called 
persecutions, called trials, called tribulations, whatever you want to call it. They're going to come into your life. They are. I'm telling you ahead of time, right now, get it in your brain. These things are going to happen. But I'm, I'm here to give you peace. Not as the peace that the world's going to give you, give I unto you, but I'm bringing you real peace. That's where Philippians 4 comes in, right? Okay? So that the peace of God passes over you. And so if you don't know Philippians 4 right there, please read it, okay? And so I'm here to give it to you, but it's not just I'm dumping it on you. You have to make the decision of where you're looking. If you're looking to the world for answers, anxiety is going to happen. But if you look to him who has overcome the world, and you're resting in holy and fully in him, then you can have a peace that passes all understanding. Just as Paul stated in Philippians chapter 4. I do want to just quote just part of that because it's important. Where Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall pure. Thanksgiving. Got a guy who ran through the red light, smashed my car. Didn't really happen, but that's my, my analogy for you, right? God, I'm so thankful that that guy smashed my car because I get a new one. That's what we think. That's not what it's about. It's not, God, I'm thankful that the guy smashed my car. So you have an opportunity to minister to the guy. What, what happens if I intensify that? That I was riding and a guy did that. And I hope this never happened to somebody. I'm bringing up wounds. And it killed my daughter in the back seat. Now that's a pretty good philipsis situation, isn't it? How do you deal with it? By knowing that God is omniscient. He is in control. He loves you with an everlasting love. And you have an open door into his presence all the time. I don't always understand why things happened. First Peter in Sunday school, we're going to be talking about it, right? I mean, Peter's writing to people who are being used as torches in the city of Rome. Not a pleasant moment. It may, may have been their mom or their dad. It may have been their brother or their sister who just yesterday got torched. But Peter's telling them to submit to the king. You want me to what? That doesn't sound American, does it? But you can be of good cheer, of good courage. So that word literally means, and you can look it up, check it out. It literally means to have courage, not cheerfulness. Now, cheerfulness comes as a result of my being what? Courageous and bold in the moment. But courage comes when you believe something even when it doesn't look like it at the moment. Does that make sense? What was it that Yahweh told Joshua numerous times? Be strong and courageous, of good courage. Why? Because I'm with you. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Like you guys are getting ready to leave me and forsake me. That, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm not going to. You guys need to be strong and courageous. So, in the end, oh, the call for courage. I didn't show that verse. So, when you're confused, where do you turn? Where do you turn for answers? Do you turn to God? Do you turn to Yahweh? He is your loving Heavenly Father. And do you know what? I mean, I, don't, I didn't put on here what kind of answers. But, I mean, I've told this in the past. I've been honest, you know. Even when I'm doing home remodels, I'm, I'm asking them for, for, for answers when it comes to doing the mundane kind of stuff. Well, he's the master craftsman. I mean, he made the whole earth. In fact, he made material that I'm, I'm working with. So, but that's basic stuff. Where do I turn when I need wisdom for this situation, for this relationship moment? It's God. Where do you turn when you have a need um, in your life? Who are you going to turn to for provision? for helping to meet the need. Do you put it on Facebook? Hey, has anybody got? Does anybody know the name George Mueller? Okay, good. Okay. For those who don't, George Mueller was a guy who had an orphanage over in England. And he made it a point that he would never ask for 
help because he knew that God would be his provider. And so he just pr- he prayed. And over and over and over again, God brought people to bring him food or money or supplies whenever he needed it. That's faith. When you are feeling pressured, where do you turn for comfort? I get that that's why we have the body of Christ and we can turn to one another and that's good stuff. But where's the first place I ought to turn? It's to the Father. To, to my, yeah. And so, Jimmy, you said that, so I'm looking at you and I'm just, and I share, I'm how exciting it was two weeks ago, whenever it was, when you said that, the, it might have been three or four weeks ago now, anyways, when the guy stopped, dead stopped in front of you and, and stuff like that, and, you know, but you didn't call me, you didn't call David, you called on God, and he gave you the peace as you worked through the situation, even while this guy is playing this out. That's exciting stuff to me. I mean, I was rejoicing in the Lord when Jimmy told me that. Not that I didn't want Jimmy to call me on that Sunday when it happened, but that he didn't need to at that moment. God was his protector and your, your peace. God was your peace at that moment. Who is Jesus to you? Again, these are slides from a few, two months ago. This is the end of it. Well, not the end, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, this is, who is he? What effect, then, has his coming had up in, in this world had upon your life? If there's been no effect, you've got to start to question whether you really believe. Is there, then, a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you, Father, that first of all you're my father you're my abba you're my daddy and that you have chosen me to adopt me to to allow me to be a part of your family lord and you've given me this privilege to be able to call upon you whenever i choose to oh god i pray that you would help me to live as your son lord to be continually conformed to the image of christ that i might be a, a proper reflection to the world but lord i would walk by faith and i pray the same for every individual here and those watching and stuff, whatever. Lord, you get it, your body. Lord, that your body would be your body. And Lord, that we would be faithful in walking before you. That we would be faithful to call upon your name, trusting in you to meet our needs. I praise you for how you have, Lord. I praise you for how you will. And I just pray that um, as we go into days of darkness, potentially, Lord, that you would just allow, allow us not to have our love be quenched. Lord, that we would, we would exalt you at all times. In Jesus' name, amen.